0: Hi, welcome to Brains Out Loud podcast, sponsored by Mental Health Global Network. I'm your host, Kelly Marzoli, and today we're here to talk about domestic violence, sexual violence, and dating violence. And I'm going to start by explaining abuse. So the definition of abuse is a pattern of controlling or coercive behavior by one person to maintain power and control over another. And sexual violence is any incidence of unwanted sexual misconduct. 1.2 million women and 700,000 men experience domestic violence each year, and every 73 seconds an American is sexually assaulted. However, these numbers only include official reports of violence, so the real figures would be much higher, and the effect on a survivor's mental health is profound. So mental health disorders have been directly linked to domestic violence and sexual violence, and there's evidence that suggests two things are happening. Domestic and sexual violence can lead victims to develop mental health problems, and people with mental health problems are more vulnerable and likely to be victims of domestic violence. And the most common mental health disorders experienced by victims are post-traumatic stress disorder, depression and anxiety. And I just wanna say any form of abuse is traumatic. And if you're someone who's experienced this or know someone who has, um, just know that you're valid in how you feel and how it affects you. And traumatic events can produce profound lasting changes in our emotions and have a significant impact on mental health. So that's why we're here to talk about this. And I'd
1: love to introduce our guest, Charlene. Charlene, thank you for being here. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate doing this again. I love having these conversations with you. It's much needed. So I'm just honored to be a part of this. So thank you. Thanks. I mean, whatever we can do to spread awareness,
0: right? So Charlene is a dancer and she's a fierce activist in domestic and sexual violence prevention, education and response. And she's very passionate about helping victims. So I'm interested to hear her perspective as we talk about current events, as well as how to help others and yourself if you're experiencing any kind of sexual or domestic violence. So Charlene, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, you know where you're from um, and how you got into
1: this industry? Yes, of course I'd love to, so I am a survivor of domestic and sexual violence. And out of that, I ended up becoming a really, really strong, passionate activist. So some of the things that I've done is I I trained in crisis response advocacy. I trained as a peer educator throughout my college years. I, I just recently graduated from Rutgers University. And I also headed up my own special programming awareness effort during my last semester at Rutgers. Like you said, I am a dancer. So we combined my passion with dancing along with just performance in general. Kelly, you were all supposed to sing at that event. It was basically just a combination of artistic expression and creativity for advocates and survivors to perform meaningful songs, dances, in terms of what they were feeling. So that was just one way that I worked in advocacy. Well, thank you. I
0: I wish you were able to have that event. And I love that your time and creativity as an outlet for survivors um, and you mentioned about your personal experience as well as what you've done since to help other
1: survivors um, so what what would you say to someone who's struggling the first thing I would say to any person who is a victim of any form of abuse is that you are not alone that Isolation is basically just this this false misconception that an abuser creates to make you feel alone. Abusers are, are smart. They strategically use mechanisms like isolation to make you feel like you are alone when that is not the truth at all. There are people like myself and I'm sure your loved ones, your family, your friends who care about you, who really want to make sure that you are okay that you are safe you know of course there's the issue of an abuser making you feel isolated but that is not true there are supportive organizations supportive people um, that are here talking about these issues and promoting empowerment and to seek help because that is okay so that is definitely the number one thing that I want to get across to any survivor is that they're not alone.
0: There's lots of people that want to help you and there's a way out. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. Even though a survivor, when they're they're in that situation, it is their reality and they are Mm -hmm. truly in danger and the only person who's aware of that danger. So when you were in your situation, what was it that really made you realize, okay, I need to assert more for myself?
1: two things really were the, the biggest factors into me finally seeking help and realizing that I was in an abusive relationship. The first one was education. So I went to Rutgers University as my undergrad. And during my freshman year of college, There were a few lecture halls where the office that I ended up working for would come to lecture halls and educate about sexual and domestic violence, talking about all of the different warning signs and all the factors contributing into dating violence. And it was then that I realized that I was unfortunately a victim. So from getting this sort of education, I I realized that this was an issue, that this was just not normal, nothing about it was okay, and that it is a severe problem globally. So that was definitely the first thing, was the recognizing of my abuse through education. The second thing was just basic friendship and empathy. So I didn't have a lot of friends. My my abuser isolated me from my family, people that were, I was close to. And something that I was allowed to do was play video games and have friends online. And it was one person that I ended up being friends with. I just all of a sudden felt the need that I needed to to tell them that I needed help, that I was in this dangerous situation. In finding that friendship, that small sort of empathy, I was finally able to disclose my abuse and realize that I can go get help. So that's why friendship goes a really long way. Even if you don't know a person, that's why it's so important to be kind because you never know what they're going through. Victims don't have a lot of people that they can, that they can run to and disclose their abuse to because it's obviously really difficult. And so even when you meet a stranger, it's important to just be a light in people's lives because you never know if you could end up being that person that they really needed at that time. So those are the two things that, I, that really got me out of it was the education and the support from a friend. right.
0: Similar to mental health, like when we know what the signs and symptoms are, we're more likely to identify and then intervene in whatever way. And the same applies for any kind of violence. um, If we see it in our friends and family, just starting the conversation and letting them know that you're here to listen is definitely helpful. What about if someone is not ready to get out or you know, you wanna help a loved one, but they're not receptive or ready for that? So of
1: course, an abusive relationship is so painful and dangerous. You just have to know that it's okay to take your time. When you're ready to leave a relationship, That's on your time. And in terms of a friend or family member trying to force somebody to leave, that actually becomes way more problematic because you're also inadvertently taking their power away from them. So in abusive relationships, their power is taken away. A victim doesn't have that power anymore. So when you sort of force it onto somebody to to leave and do things that they're not ready for, you're taking away their power of choice all over again, which doesn't help because it's not as simple as leaving, because there are so many other factors, fear, manipulation, threats that go into it. So you can't just force it to happen right away because there's a lot to be considered. The best way for you to be supportive of a friend who may be experiencing this is to literally just be there and to always be that supportive person, regardless of how long it takes and how frustrating it is for both ends. When they're ready, that's when you can help step in, you know, and maybe giving some guidance or some, some help, but never forcing.
0: So involve them in the process and Mm -hmm. help
1: help them make decisions and support them in the
0: decisions that they want to make. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to turn the conversation more specifically on sexual assault. It's not always easy to know what to say um, when someone tells you that they've been sexually assaulted. So how how can we help survivors of sexual assault and how do we initiate that conversation or if someone opens that dialogue?
1: So if a loved one does disclose to you that they have been sexually assaulted or that they are in a dating, violence, relationship, the most important thing to do is find a private space and just listen and just be present and believe them. Never force them to do anything that they're not ready for, which is what we just talked about. And just give them their resources and always just be supportive and empower them to make their decisions. Some things to do long-term would be to check in on them, make sure that they're doing okay, remind them of the resources available to them and to just be understanding and patient and also to know your boundaries. You know, you are a loved one, you are a friend, you're not a lawyer, you're not a counselor, you're not a doctor, so know, know your role, that your friend just wants you to be your friend or your sister wants you to be your sister to recognize those, those limitations and that you can't do everything. So something that happens too is you can have secondary trauma not necessarily being the person, being the exact victim, but it is also hard for you to know that your loved one is going through this. So seek help when you need it as well. Yeah, self-care can definitely
0: help us then help others.
1: And Mm -hmm. so how
0: do we respect a survivor's boundaries while also encouraging them to report and to there's time-sensitive elements to Mm -hmm. these things, Um, so making sure that victims are protected with gathering evidence like a rape kit. However, something super
1: traumatic just happened, so how can we approach that situation? Going back to just giving the available resources and continuing to be supportive. So your role is not to force anything to happen because if you do, then you're just taking the power away once again. And empowerment is key for a survivor because in, in sexual assault, in rape, in domestic violent relationships, something so precious to you is being taken away. You know, your, your privacy, your, your whole self, it's, it's very violating and painful. And in order to recognize all of that, you need to have self-empowerment. So if you're being forced by a friend to do something you're not ready for, then you're not recognizing why it's important that you make that decision. It's just somebody forcing it on you. But then when you recognize what's happening to you and the choices that you have and that you're able to make these choices, then you're empowered, you see what is going on, you, you recognize your, your self dignity, your basic human rights and you are fully aware of everything that you are capable of, everything that you have the right to, and it was never forced on you because then the whole thing will just be missed. You have to
0: more encourage them and empower them to heal and get to a place where they're comfortable reporting. And then even if we can encourage a victim to report, um, it's very hard to have faith in our justice system. Again, adding to the fear that victims already feel And we want to empower victims to talk about their experiences and speak up Mm -hmm. and
1: out it always starts with just just basic human empathy and realizing that these forms of violence exist and to recognize that it's not a minimal issue it's not something that should just stay in the household this is a crime this is prevalent Globally, it is a public health disaster, and people need to stop normalizing abuse and glorifying it. This is a pain that people feel in their reality every single day. And by starting to learn more about what goes into abusive relationships and learning how to respond to it, that's that's step one. Just recognizing that this happens and learning about ways that you know, you can be a better supportive person.
0: Any effort will go a long way. And thank you so much, Charlene, for all of your efforts and especially for taking the time today to break down all of this information. I know it's been helpful for me and I'm sure anyone listening or watching this, um, I hope that there will be some takeaway because we have a lot of work to do and it starts with the community. It starts with human beings caring about other human beings and Your activism shows that passion and that you will be essential in bringing change in your local area, as well as to empower women, men, and people from all over the world.
1: Yes. So thank you so much, Kelly, for those kind words and having me on your platform. I love speaking to you about these issues. So thank you.
0: Absolutely. I'm going to close this up by saying until next time, Charlene, um, and I look forward to our next discussion about this. This is Brains Out Loud, sponsored by Mental Health Global Network. And thank you for tuning in.